we would like to welcome you to our weekly broadcast of Harvest Worship Center's Sunday morning celebration service. We hope and pray that you will receive something from the Lord today. And we ask you to stay tuned at the end of the message for more information concerning our church. Again, thank you for joining us today. you to harvest. Well, if you're a first-time visitor, we believe in celebrating Jesus in this house. Why? Because he's the only one worth celebrating. Amen? I, I got news for you. The things of this world that we choose to celebrate, they fade away. But the things of God, they last eternally. They are, they are, it's worth sinking in and saying, this is what I choose to celebrate this morning. Uh, I want to just give a quick boost to this, and then we're going to dive into the message this morning. But tonight is our Forever Family Reunion Night. Tonight, uh, last Sunday of each month, we gather in this house, and we have a reunion night. Last week, or last time we had this, uh, we had uh, Sunrise Church came out to be with us. It was just a great time together as we joined as the body of Christ and celebrated Jesus together. So tonight, you don't want to miss uh, our Forever Family Reunion Night. I know it's your last Sunday for some of y'all. Now, that's all the trying people, all the Chattooga people like, we already in there, buddy. But this, you, this is your last Sunday night. What better place to spend it than the house of the Lord? I promise you, you won't regret being here tonight. Come be a part of it. Now, that's for you. Now, this is for all y'all sitting at home. If you're watching today, I want you to dust yourself off and get here tonight at 6 o'clock. Why? Because we are going to celebrate Jesus. Amen? I, I, I don't know about you. If you think heaven is going to be a boring place, I want to tell you something. you got a twisted view of heaven. You're not going to be laying on clouds, stroking, you know, stroking, stroking a harp and eating bonbons for eternity. We're going to be celebrating the one who rescued us. Amen. We're going to be celebrating Jesus throughout all eternity. Amen. We're going to be living like we were meant to live, and it's going to be worth going. That was the free sermon today. Let's go into the one I'm charging you for. I'm just kidding. All right. The miracle of belief is what we're going to talk about today. We've been in a series called Miracles, and today's message is the miracle of belief. Did you realize it's a miracle sometimes that we believe? It is a miracle that we trust and we believe that God can do things. And so today, we're going to talk about what that means. In other words, uh, I want to just kind of build this towards what we're about to start uh, tomorrow. Tomorrow is the first of August. Hard to believe that we have already got the, you know, uh, most of this year we're on the downhill side. But I, I, last week I let you know about it, but I'm calling our church to a, a month of fasting and prayer starting tomorrow. And how you choose to do that is between you and God. You may choose to do a Daniel fast through the month. You may choose to fast a few meals a day or just a few days a week. I don't know what you're going to choose. But I, I, I will say this, your fast should be determined by the level of breakthrough that you need. Amen. If you're needing a great breakthrough in your family, you're needing a great breakthrough in your life, you're needing to see somebody delivered, then how, how serious are you about fasting and praying over that? So uh, we begin that tomorrow, and I'm excited about our fast beginning tomorrow. I'm, I'm, ex I'm excited because I know we need breakthrough. I know we need a spiritual breakthrough in our, not just our church, but in our community and in our world. Amen. We need, th this world needs to see Jesus like it's never needed to see him before. We 
need to show them Jesus. And I believe that if we're going to be able to get this new building completed and our ministry center up and going, it's going to take a move of God. Amen. What is a miracle? A miracle is something that is bigger than you. A miracle is something that you cannot get done by your own hand. I can't accomplish this. Only God can do it. Uh, Nobody else can accomplish it. That is the definition of what a miracle is. I I need God to do it for me. And so today I I, I want to challenge you to fast and pray. And we're going to, this sermon's kind of built around this to help us see that if we will believe God, we will see great things. Now, I want to share with you just simply this. I, I, I don't think we lack a belief for other people. I, I really don't. I think that uh, I know for myself, when, when you ask me to pray for something, there's not, a, there's not a bit of doubt in me that God can do the impossible for you. Uh, I, I, I believe that. But when it comes to me, when it comes to me needing a miracle, somebody say me. Don't we have a little bit of trouble with that? I don't know if God will do that for me. I want you to understand this morning that your God is ready to do a miracle for you. And we have to believe if we want to see God do the miraculous in our lives and in the miraculous in our family and community and church. So today we're going to talk about that. Believing is a lot harder than a lot of people think. In other words, believing for others, I can do that. Believing for myself can be difficult at times. I want to look in this beginning of laying the foundation for this sermon. I want to, I want to just kind of lay uh, that through the scripture that unbelief is not a foreign thing to the early church either. As a matter of fact, I'm going to tell you of three different instances where the disciples had great unbelief uh, in, in what Jesus could do. The, and, and again, this is just three of them. There's a whole lot of them in the New Testament if you want to look. Uh, these guys had a hard time believing Jesus could do the things that he said he could do. They had a hard time believing that Jesus was going to come through. Believing is harder than you may think. I want us to look at Mark, the 16th chapter. We're going to read just verses 9 through 11, and I want to share one story of this. Now, when he rose early on the first day of the week, he appeared He appeared first to Mary Magdalene, from whom he had cast out seven devils, or demons. She went and told those who had been with him as they mourned and wept. Now, I want you to get the picture. Mary Magdalene's gone to the tomb. She's gone to see where Jesus, to to visit the tomb. Uh, Meanwhile, back in in the room, there is weeping and mourning going on uh, from the disciples and others. But verse 11 says, but when they heard that he was alive, and had been seen by her, they would not believe. I want you to catch that part. Your Bible says the disciples did not believe. Your Bible, my Bible says the disciples didn't believe. They did not believe that he had risen. Then let's look, in other words, I want to submit to you this morning, the disciples did not believe Jesus was alive, even when Mary told them that he was alive. The Bible says they wouldn't believe it. Jesus had told them that he must die on the third day and he would rise again. You would think that they would have been attentive to what Jesus said. In other words, these 11 had spent more time with Jesus than anybody had spent time with Jesus. They were his inner circle, his elite circle of disciples. He had many followers, but they were the ones that he taught. They were the ones that he poured into. And when it came down to it, they didn't believe. 
I'll give you a great indication. If Jesus had looked at all of us and said, hey, I'm going to be delivered over to the Romans, they're going to crucify me, and I'm going to die, but don't worry about it. In three days, I'm going to rise again. Would you be in a room weeping if you truly believed, or would you have been at the tomb? I would have been at the tomb early that third day, and I'd have been sipping my coffee. I think I would, but how many of us truly would? In other words, they, they should have been at the tomb. If they really believed he was going to come back from, the, uh, from death, they should have been there waiting. But instead, they're weeping instead of waiting in anticipation for the miracle of resurrection. So they go and they witness this. I want you to, to, to see, they, they, they had no belief in him. Luke 24, verses 1 through 11, but on the first day of the week at the early morning, they went to the tomb, taking the spices. This is another account that they had prepared and they found the stone had rolled away from the tomb and they went in and they did not find the body of the Lord Jesus. While they were perplexed about this, behold, two men stood by them in dazzling apparel. And as they were frightened and bowed their their faces to the ground the men said to them why do you seek the living among the dead he is not here but is, has risen remember how he told you while he was still in Galilee that the son of man must be delivered into the hands of the sinful men and be crucified but on the third day rise and they remembered his words and returning to the tomb they told all the things that they uh, all the things to the eleven there you go again used to be twelve Judas betrayed him now it's just eleven of them so had taught to the eleven and all the rest. Now it was Mary Magdalene, Joanna, Mary, the mother of James, and other women with them who told these things to the apostles, but the words seemed to them to be idle tales. In other words, uh, the, the literal translation of this it was falling on stone ears. They weren't hearing very well. And it goes on to say that, that they, these words seemed to be idle tales because why? They did not believe. They did not believe. Again, there it is again. They didn't believe that he was who he said he was. I want to remind you that this was the 11, the inner circle. For three years, three plus years, they had witnessed miracles. They had seen the lame walk. They had seen the blinded eyes open, deaf ears to begin to hear. They had watched leprosy cleanse. They had watched the, the feeding of multitudes. They had watched Jesus walk on the water. They had seen miracle after miracle after miracle, but they did not believe. I don't know about you, but that makes me feel a little bit better. Amen? That makes me feel a little bit better at times that Phil's doubting and Phil doesn't believe the way that he would. Like I said, I can believe God for you all day long, but I, when I need a touch, when I need a miracle, when I need a breakthrough, that's when the enemy comes at me and doubt creeps in. Amen? One more story I want to share with you uh, uh, is Mark 16, verses 12 through 13. And it says this, after these things, he appeared to another, uh, uh, another from the two, uh, in another form to two of them that were walking in a, into the country. That is the road of Emmaus, the story of the two disciples. And they went back and told the rest, but they did not believe him. Three different times, the Bible declares in three different accounts that, the, that they did not believe Jesus was alive, that they had doubt. Now, I want to submit to you this morning that if we're going to see miracles, we got to start believing. 
Amen? If we're going to see God move, if we're going to see God save and deliver and heal and set captives free, we've got to start believing that he can do it. We've got to start taking our belief to another level in order to see God move. And we're going to look into Mark chapter 9 to kind of base the, 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 what I want to teach on this morning, what I want to share with you. And I believe that if you'll listen and you'll get a hold of this, it can transform your way of believing God for miracles in your life. Mark 9 uh, is the story begins in the first 13 verses with the story of the Mount of Transfiguration. For those of you that may not know that story, I'm going to summarize it real quick. Jesus left uh, his disciples at the bottom of the mountain, and he took three of his disciples with him to the top of the mountain. While they were on the top of the mountain, the, uh, the Bible says Jesus was transfigured before them. In other words, his, his appearance began to glow as the, uh, brightly, and there on that mountain appeared with him the uh, Moses and Elijah. And so you have a representation on the mountain of what? The law, which was Moses. That's what he represented. The prophets, which was Elijah. And there in the middle, the new covenant, Jesus. So there you have demonstrated on that mountain the Old uh, Testament, the, the prophets, and the new covenant, the New Testament. And so there they witnessed this glorified form of Jesus as he talks with two uh, prophets that had long passed. Okay, so it was an amazing event these three disciples witnessed and they were so tripped out by what went on and so excited about what went on. Peter said, this is good for us to be here. Let's, put, let's build three tabernacles. One for you, Jesus. One for Moses and one for Elijah. And what does is, what is Jesus do? He says, that's Satan speaking through you because I, there's nobody deserves worship but me. Nobody deserves worship but Jesus. And so they go off the mountain, and then when they get to the bottom of the mountain, this is where I want to pick up the story and share with you that the first thing you need to do if you're going to see Jesus move in your life, if you're going to see miracles, you got to believe Jesus is God. Now, the disciples believed that Jesus was the Son of God, but I believe they struggled with believing He was God. I think they struggled with His identity. In other words, I'm going to tell you, uh, uh, you ever had somebody say, when, when somebody's kind of lost themselves for a little while, and they say, well, what are they up to? Well, they're just trying to find themselves. Jesus never went through a period where He was trying to find out who He was. As a matter of fact, I read about when He was fasting and praying for 40 days, He came up on... He was tempted by the devil 40 days, but we get three great temptations listed in the Bible. In other words, he wasn't just tempted for four, three times. You read your Bible, it says 40 days and nights he was tempted, but there are three great temptations that Satan himself throws at him. And every time he begins, if you be the Son of God, if you are who you say you are. And so he was trying to get Jesus to doubt who he was. But I want you to know Jesus has never and never will doubt his identity of who he was. He was the King of kings, the Lord of lords. He was God made flesh and dwelt among us. He is worthy. Oh, let's just give Jesus some praise in this house. Amen. He's worthy. He never doubted who he was. So we pick up the story uh, of, of, of the Mount of Transfiguration. So while they on the mountain partying, something amazing happens down in the valley. And down in the valley, trouble has broke loose. In other words, there is, a, there is chaos, utter chaos, when, when Jesus and the three disciples return to the other nine, there is absolutely uh, uh, trouble everywhere. Verse 14, let's begin reading this. And when 
when they came to the disciples, they saw a great crowd around them and scribes arguing with them. And immediately all the crowd, when they saw him, were greatly amazed and ran up to him and greeted him. And he asked them, what are you arguing about? And someone from the crowd answered him, teacher, I brought my son to you for he was, uh, was, or for he has a spirit that makes him mute. And whenever it seizes him, it throws him down and he foams and grinds his teeth and becomes rigid. So I asked your disciples to cast it out and they were not able. And he answered them, O faithless generation, how am I to, how long am I to be with you? How long am I to bear with you? Bring him to me. Now I want to stop here and I want to just kind of break down where we're at in the story so far. The Bible says that the very first thing that, that happens is when Jesus gets down off the mountain, chaos is everywhere. The disciples had been brought, there's a man who brought his son to be delivered of a demonic spirit and Jesus wasn't there so the disciples that were there decided we're going to take this up and we're going to take care of it. Well they couldn't take care of it. Now before you beat up these disciples, look a few chapters earlier and you'll see that they were just given authority over every devil earlier in, in, in the earlier chapters. And so they had seen devils cast out. They had seen people delivered and miracles happen. But this time it just didn't happen. And this is, this is something I want you to understand. You cannot operate in today's battle off of yesterday's anointing. I'm going to say it again. You can't win today's battle off of yesterday's touch. Some of you had a touch years ago and you're still trying to operate in what you felt years ago. If you're going to fight the devils of today, you need fresh anointing, my friend. You need a fresh touch from the Holy Spirit if you're going to win the battles for today. Amen. So they were trying to operate in something that was, was, was old. Amen. God never likes stale things. Amen. As a matter of fact, manna. You know, I love the story of manna. He, he, they had to gather it every day. The only day they were allowed to gather enough for the next day was to, because of the Sabbath. There was no work allowed. Why? Because if they gathered too much, more than what they needed, then it turned to worms. What are you saying, Pastor? God, God has fresh bread for you today. God's got a fresh touch for you today. And if you want it, just I, I wonder if anybody wants that this morning, just wave at the Lord and say, that's me. I need it today. A fresh touch. So again, they bring him, and they're trying to take it out. They couldn't take care of it. So Jesus gets down there. The scribes are arguing with the disciples, and Jesus says, hey, what's all the, what's all the arguing about? And all of a sudden, this man speaks up who's got lost in the argument. You see, when the religious are bickering on how God should do something, what gets lost is the person who really needs something. And so while the church is tied up in argument, God help me preach, while the church is too busy arguing, the devil's having a heyday and somebody that needs deliverance is not getting delivered. Oh, let's get focused on what matters, church. And it is seeing people set free. God's ready to free some people, save some people, deliver some people. But we got to get our focus right. So they brought him to Jesus. And this man speaks up and says, or this man speaks up and he says, it's my son. Can you hear the heartbrokenness? Can you, can you hear the desperateness in this father's voice? It's my son is why all this is happening. Because he has a demonic spirit that makes him mute. And when it takes hold of him, he throws himself in the fire. And then he throws himself in the water. And I brought him to your disciples to be delivered, but they couldn't do it. This is a desperate father needing an answer. He's needing a miracle. 
Now I want you to hear what is going on. Some of the most powerful words ever spoken. First of all, what does Jesus say? He says, O faithless generation. The, another translation for that word faithless is unbelieving. O unbelieving generation. He's saying, how long should I be with you? How long will I put up with you? How long am I going to bear this that you don't believe? O faithless, unbelieving generation. Great. In other words, he, he's letting them know you don't believe. The greatest, some of the greatest words in this passage of Scripture to me is found at the end of verse 19 after he calls them a faithless generation. It's simply this. Bring him to me. Bring him to me. This is the creator, the savior of the world. This is the one that by his words the universe was framed. This is the one that, 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 that made something out of nothing. The Latin word for creation is ex nihilo, which means out of nothing he made something. And now he says to this father, bring your problem to me. Bring your situation to me. Bring your problem to me because I can fix it. Bring which seems impossible for man to me. Bring your sickness to me. Bring your rejection to me. Bring the demonic spirits that trouble you and trouble your heart and mind to me. Bring your, 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 your chronic continual sin that keeps tripping you up in your life. Just bring that to me also. Bring to me that which seems to consistently knock you out of a relationship with me bring it to me bring whatever it is that you need to Jesus this morning too many of us are taking what we've got and we're trying to find answers everywhere but where we need to take them and we need to hear Jesus say to us this morning bring that stuff to me bring it to me amen yeah you can praise Jesus for that verse 20 says and they brought the boy to him here's the action in the miracle Jesus says, bring the problem to me, and they bring it to him. Too many times we're trying to face the issues, and we don't bring it to Jesus. Jesus says, well, come to the altar and pray about it. I, I'll pray in my car. And God says, no, I want you to have action behind it. You want to see a miracle. How desperate are you for a move of God? Are you willing to, to do what he asked this morning? Bring it to him. There had to be action in this miracle. The Bible says, but immediately, and you need to get the lesson behind this, whenever you start to take something to Jesus, the devil's always going to act up. When you begin, anybody ever made up their mind, usually we do it around January, we'll get my act together this year. I'm going to eat right, I'm going to exercise, and then this is the big one. I'm going to go to church like I ought to. I'm going to get involved. When you make a self-declaration of changing some things in your life, the enemy is going to act up. He's going to do everything he can to stop you from bettering the situation. And when you try to bring something to Jesus, you better believe the enemy is going to act up. Amen? He's going to act up. You say, no, he ain't. Read verse 20. And they brought the boy to him, and when the Spirit saw him, immediately it convulsed the boy, and he fell on the ground and rolled about, foaming at the mouth. And Jesus asked the father, how long? <laughs> I'm sorry, I'm getting tickled. How long has this, this, this been happening to him? And he said, from childhood. 
Why are you getting tickled? You don't feel this is a bad situation? I feel it's an all horrible situation. What I'm tickled at is the way Jesus is handling it. What I'm getting tickled at is... <laughs> I'm, I, I'm a, okay, uh, Zeke gets to be the demon-possessed boy today. And Joseph has come to Jesus, and Joseph says... <laughs> My boy, I brought him to the, to the church. They couldn't do nothing about it. Now I'm going to bring him to Jesus. Jesus calls him up. All of a sudden, immediately, the demon inside the boy recognizes who Jesus is. See, they've never doubted his identity. And they start to act up. And all of a sudden, I want you, you, know, all, you know, all your worst nightmares, foaming at the mouth and, you know. Rolling on the ground, grinding his teeth. And it's almost like, yo, Joe, how long has this been going on? <laughs> it's not that Jesus didn't have compassion, listen to me this morning, over what was going on with the boy. You see, he had compassion for the boy, but he was unimpressed with the demon. Oh, my goodness. He was unimpressed with the demon. Jesus has never been impressed by the devil. He's never been in awe of what he can do because he knows that at the mention of the words that he speaks, every demon in hell has to flee. He knows that the solution is standing there. He's not impressed by what the devil's doing. So he strikes up a conversation and it just amazes me. You know, Yo, man, how long has this been going on? Well, since he was a child. And they're just having a conversation. And the boy's down on the floor, rolling around and carrying on. Foaming at the mouth. This don't surprise you. Yeah, I, I, well, man, how'd you get here? Oh, we went up through Galilee and da-da-da. Okay, you got any other kids? How's you and your wife? How long y'all been married? Where are you working now? I mean, it's almost that casual in the language and in the grammatical structure of this passage that Jesus is unimpressed. Oh, if we could get the power of that. He is unimpressed by what's going on on the ground. He's focused on the Father. He says, well, often he's done this. Since he was little, he's done this. It'll take hold of him and he throws himself in the fire and then he throws himself in the, in the water and I, I look and I see the scars marring my son. I listen to the cry of the father. I see how this has affected him. I see that it's torture and I, don't, I can't do nothing about it. Are you in a situation that you can't do anything about? Bring it to Jesus. Bring it to Jesus this morning. He can take care of it. He asked the father, how long has this been happening? And he said, from childhood. And it's often he has cast himself into the fire and into the water to destroy him. But if you can do anything, there it is. Jesus, if you can do anything about the situation, have compassion on us and help us. He's not just crying out for his son. He's crying out for himself because every parent in the house knows when your kids go through it, you go through it too. You bear it. You hurt. You're He's saying, look, when he goes in the fire, I go in the fire with him. Can you do anything for us? Can you have compassion on us? The first thing I notice is that Jesus is calm. The second thing I notice is that Jesus has casual conversation, that he's unimpressed by the devil. 
The reason Jesus isn't impressed with the devil is because he knows who he is. I am the Lord of heaven, Jesus says. But if you can do anything, have compassion on us and help us. Verse 23 goes on to say, and Jesus said to him, if you can, look at somebody and say, if you can. If you can. All things are possible for one who what? Believes. If you can, Jesus says, if somehow you can, there's nothing that cannot happen if you believe. Somebody asked me, do you think the time of miracles has ceased? Absolutely, I don't believe the time of miracles has ceased. I believe, as a matter of fact, God's just waiting on us to start believing He can do the impossible again. But, well, yes. But I think we're running around trying to fix it. We're running around trying to find every source of help we can find, and it's all falling short, and we need to come to Jesus, and we need to say, Lord, I believe that you can. Immediately, the father of the child cried out and said. That word cried out means he, he an inward groaning. I believe. Help my unbelief. This is, in my opinion, one of the best possible answers that could ever be given. Anybody ever watch Family Feud? Anybody ever seen Family Feud? All right. If there were angels standing around while this guy gave his answer, you know, if you can, all things are possible for those who believe. And the man cries out and says, I believe. Help my unbelief. I think angels were going, good answer. Good answer. Survey says, number one. Why? Because herein lies human nature. I know the Bible says my God can walk on water, but will he walk on water for me? I know my God says he can heal the sick, but will he heal me? I know the Bible says that God can do impossible things, but will He do the impossible for me? I believe. Help my unbelief. Folks, I believe this is the cry of the modern church. We believe what the Bible says when it comes to the Bible. But when it comes to now, in this day, do I believe he'll do it for me? Do I believe he'll do it for my family? Do I believe that God will do the impossible in my life? Believing is a miracle. You hear me? Believing is a miracle. Let's go a little bit further. We're almost done. We're almost done. This is the best possible answer that could be given. If you are real and honest today, you're with this guy. You're following in the footsteps of this father. Verse 25 goes on to say, And when Jesus saw that the crowd came running together, all right, crowd's coming together now. 
He rebuked the unclean spirit and said to it, You mute and deaf spirit, I command you, come out of him. And I love this part. Never enter him again. You're done. Some of us, we got to realize when Jesus does it, he does it. Oh, my back felt better, but when I got home, I started hurting. If Jesus healed you, he healed you. Oh, my goodness. Come on. If he touched you, he touched you. If he set you free, he set you free. Oh, my goodness. I wonder if anybody got free of something in this room. You got free, and he set you free. For who the Son has set free is free indeed. I don't, look, I'm free of the bottle. That's what the alcoholic says. Why? Because Jesus did it. Because Jesus did it. I'm free of addiction. Why? Because Jesus did it. I'm thankful for programs, but I got news for you. The most successful programs are those who, who show the source of freedom, which is Jesus. Amen. Amen. When Jesus saw this demon beginning to put it on a show, oh man, don't you realize that's what the devil loves to do, put on a show? Amen. That's what he loves to do. Now all of a sudden, when this demon sensed that deliverance was going to come, it began to put on a show. And you know what? Jesus said, oh, wait a minute. Only one going to get glory here, and it ain't going to be the devil tonight. So he rebukes the spirit and tells it, come out of him and never, ever enter him again. The spirit leaves him. It's no longer there. Why? Because God is saying to you and I, the devil is defeated, and only one, one person wants to get glory out of your miracle, and that's not going to be your doctor. And I'm thankful for doctors. I'm thankful for treatments that they've come up with but who do you think give man that knowledge in the first place if you got surgery and got better it wasn't because of man it was because of a healing God I don't give man credit for nothing I give God all the credit why because of man man's stupid man's dumb it's because of the knowledge that God has allowed him to have amen I don't agree with that that's okay you can share what you won't share when you preach it just won't be here I believe, in other words, what are you saying? I believe Jesus can do things. I believe Jesus deserves the glory. Jesus will never share his glory with any demon. Jesus will not share a story with a demon. The only thing he's going to share about a demon is they are defeated. This demon starts to act out. Jesus says, nope, that's as far as you go. He asks us to believe that he can do the impossible so that when he does the impossible, no one gets the praise, no one gets the glory, no one gets the honor but Jesus. He wants to do things so that when somebody comes and says, oh, I heard you had cancer and that you were terminal and you're still here. What kind of treatment did you get? Don't go giving the treatment credit. Give God the credit. Give God the glory. Give God the honor. Don't share God's glory with anybody. Body. Well, I'm thankful for doctors. I'm thankful for treatments. I'm thankful for whatever. But give God the glory. Give God the glory. Verse 26. After crying out and convulsing him terribly, it came out. And the boy was like a corpse, so that most of them said, He is dead. I love it. That, that, that's, people in a, that's people summed up right there. Well, devil got the final say. It killed him on the way out. 
See what the devil did? He got one. He may have come out of him, but he killed him first. Jesus just takes the young boy by the hand and raises him up and silences all the skeptics by his actions, not his words. Church, you're not going to silence the skeptics about the healing power of Jesus by your words, by your anger. It's going to be by our actions. I believe Jesus is ready for some of us to take some situations by the hand. Oh, my goodness. And lift them up. But Jesus took him by the hand and lifted him up, and he rose. We're almost done. And when he had entered the house, his disciples asked him privately, Why could we not cast it out? And Jesus said to them, This kind cannot be driven out by anything but prayer and fasting. If you want to take care of this type of enemy in your life, you've got to learn to pray and fast. What are you saying, Pastor? Last week I shared with you the story of the seed and how we love to prance around with our mustard seed faith. I've heard that all my life. If you just have a mustard seed faith, you can save the mountain. That's not what that story was saying. Jesus was saying, if you had it and you don't, you can't even get a mustard seed size faith. You don't. You could say to the mountain. What was he saying though? Listen to what he says. He goes on to tell the disciples that the mustard seed is the least of all seeds, but once it's planted, it grows into a great tree that even the birds of the air lodge there. So last week I told you, in order for you and I to see God do the impossible, our faith has to do what? Be planted in fertile soil, watered and fertilized by prayer and fasting. Now I'm going to tell you, how many of you, and you don't have to raise your hand, you have been praying over situations that has not changed for years. And you look at the same situation and you look at the same circumstances and you're saying, I don't even know if my prayers are getting through. See, that's the enemy trying to make you doubt. And so you get a little bit more desperate so you begin to fast and pray. Lord, I need an answer. You still see nothing. I want you to think of it this way. You plant that seed into fertile ground. You cover it up. You've watered it. You prayed over it. You fasted over it but you still see nothing happening. Now, I shared with you last week, the first thing that has to happen for that seed to grow is there has to be a crack. The seed has to crack. But though you may not see anything changing on the surface, underneath, it's sprouting. Underneath, it's growing. And if you'll keep on believing and keep on having faith and keep on praying and keep on fasting, it's going to break the surface one day when you least expect it and it's going to begin to grow and it's going to begin to be greater than you ever imagined. He said this little seed becomes bigger than any other plant. You see, we think of mustard seed as a plant of mustard seeds, mustard greens. But no, this was a wild herb that would grow uncontrollably in the Middle East and it would become massive. It was almost like you taking a kudzu seed and planting it in your garden. Anybody ever been around kudzu? Kudzu takes over everything. Kudzu 
will, is uncontrollable. You can kill it, but it just keeps on and keeps on and keeps on. What are you saying, Pastor? I'm telling you that if you'll plant your faith and you'll water it with prayer and fasting, you better look out because in the day you least expect it, you're going to go check the garden. You're going to go to your prayer room and you're going to begin to pray. And you're going to look at your situation and out of nothing, out of nowhere, there's going to be something sprouting forth. There's going to be faith coming forth and it's going to shake this world. Church, it's time for us to begin to fast and pray till we see our faith grow. Will you stand? Fasting adjusts our beliefs. It gets us back in line. It gets us in alignment with God. Fasting helps our faith to grow. Fasting helps us to believe God to do the impossible. Let me just share this principle of fasting as we get ready to pray. Like this. Pushing food back, pushing the plate back. That's not an easy thing to do. Amen? Anybody ever been on a diet? Anybody currently on a diet? Okay. By the way, 19 and a half pounds as of yesterday. There we go. You're bragging. You better believe it. It's hard work. Did that on vacation, too. You ever sat down when you're trying to diet? I ain't talking about fasting. I'm talking about dieting. You know how I have to do it? I got an app on my phone. Before we get to the restaurant, I already know what I'm getting. Because if I look at the menu and all those pretty pictures... See, I'm getting salad and grilled chicken, but then I look at that and say, mmm, double cheeseburger and extra bacon. So I don't even give them a chance. I tell you, I don't give them a chance. Got to the willow tree and Lily didn't know what hit her. You want what you want? Blah, 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 blah. That was fast. You got it. Why? I don't want no temptation. I'm settled on what I have to have. Now let's take it into a spiritual plane of fasting. If I'm able to push back what the flesh wants, God help me get this across to us. I'm telling you, this is the formula for revival like you have never seen in your lifetime. When I'm able to say no to the flesh for a period of time in fasting, that transfers over to other things of the flesh. That when there are unhealthy things, ungodly things I've been battling in my life. If I can say no to this in the flesh, I can say no to this in the flesh. If God will help me do this and overcome the flesh, He'll help me to overcome this. And all of a sudden, the God that can do anything becomes real in my life. And I realize... That these stories are not just stories. But they are a roadmap to my victory in this world. I want us just to close our eyes for a moment. I want you to think. Who needs a miracle? If you're sitting at home, close your eyes for just a moment. What miracle do you need? What situation is greater than you that you need a breakthrough in? What situation needs to happen that you cannot fix on your own? Only God can fix it. You've tried everything. 
and you still can't get victory. Why don't you hear the words of Jesus when He said to the crowd, bring the boy to me. He's saying to you, bring it to me. And if that's you this morning, I'm asking you to start to make your way to this altar and bring it to Jesus. Bring your sickness to Jesus. Bring your shortcomings to Jesus. Bring the situations in your life that you cannot fix to Jesus. If you really need a move of God in your life, you need a miracle, you have to start believing. Bring it to Jesus. I believe, Lord. Help my unbelief. There's others who need to move right now. Don't wait on somebody else. You need a move. You need a move of God. You need a working of God's hand. You need it right now. Come on. If that's you, move, move, move. Come on. That physical move to represent a spiritual decision. I'm bringing it to Jesus today. If you've got to ask people to get out of your way, to get out of your seat, do it. This is getting to Jesus. I'm getting to Jesus today. I, I, don't, care what other, I don't care what people think. I'm getting to Jesus today. I'm going to the one that can fix it. I'm going to the one that knows how to heal my family, heal the relationships with my children. I'm going to the one who can save my kids if they need it. I'm going to the one that can restore my marriage. I am going to get to Jesus I don't care what anybody else does. I'm going to get to Jesus. There's some others. You need to be moving right now. You need to move right now. God's dealing with your heart. You need a miracle. Move, 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 move. Come on, come on, come on, come on. There's time right now. There's time right now. You need a miracle. Move. Move towards your miracle. Move towards it right now. Believe God for it right now. Move. Oh, come on, I'm begging you, move. You can't fix it. Jesus is the God of the impossible this morning. The God of the impossible. The God of the impossible. Move towards Him. You don't want to go by yourself? Take somebody by the hand. Say, come pray with me. Come believe God with me. Come on, church. Come on, there's others. You need to be moving towards this altar right now. You need to be moving towards this altar. You start to take a step and you back away. Don't let the devil show out and get your attention off of what Jesus is about to do. We would like to thank you for joining us for our weekly podcast. We pray that you receive something from the Lord today. Please share your prayer requests and testimonies with us by emailing us at tryonhwc at gmail.com. If you would like more information concerning Harvest Worship Center, you can visit our website at tryonhwc.com. We would love for you to visit us in person sometime. Our services are held at 9 a.m. and 11 a.m. every Sunday. Children's worship is during our 11 a.m. service. If you would like to give to the ministries of Harvest Worship Center, you can also do this by clicking the Giving tab online. Once again, we would like to thank you for joining us today, and we pray you have a blessed week.